create lasting change, inspire others, and make a difference. You have joined the Influencers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Donaldson, and each week you will hear from distinguished co-hosts and guests as they share insights into impacting our culture from your neighborhood to the nation's. Today, we have a very dear friend, uh, one of my heroes, and his name is John Johnson. And he even rode his motorcycle uh, for the show today. So look out. Welcome, John. Uh, It's great to be here with you, Dave. Well, John, my producer gave me a copy of your uh, bio, and I got to tell you, this looks more like a eulogy. (laughs) But... uh, I mean, God has greatly used you and Leanne, and as you know, I don't call her your better half. Hmm. I call, call her I call her your better two thirds. <laughs> well, there's a lot of truth into that <laughs> statement, my friend. But you have pastored around the world. You've served as a missionary, Uruguay, South America, where you spent many years uh, serving there. Pastor of mega churches. And you are now the assistant superintendent for the Assemblies of God SoCal Network. And I'm proud to say a co-founder of CityServe. John, thanks so much for joining us today. And we look forward to getting to know you, hearing your heart and vision. It is a joy to be with you today, Dave, and especially to be here on nations and neighborhoods. And notice I put nations first. Because my call to ministry was a missionary call to unreached people groups. But the more I got into Scripture, I saw that it didn't just include the unreached overseas. It includes every person in every neighborhood here in the United States as well. And I'm so thankful for that. And it's great to be with you today. Now, John, you and I have talked about foster care many times, my wife and I. We're foster parents, and then we ended up becoming adoptive parents of Barbara, uh, who graduated from college with honors. She's going to be getting married. But you uh, and Leanne have fostered many, many children. Tell us about that. Well, I'm kind of a Johnny-come-lately to the whole understanding of foster care. It wasn't until we moved to Southern California that I was made aware of the enormity of the problem with the foster care system. There are over 400,000 foster care children in the United States of America. 60,000 of them are in California. One out of every seven live in our state. And we, when we found out about the need, we felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to our heart that we must do something about it. Well, how do you impact 400,000 children? And the answer is one at a time. And so we felt like we were going to lead our congregation in Covina, California, in reaching out and being the hands and feet of Jesus to foster children. And so we began with the idea that we would foster little children, the babies. Some of the stories would rip your heart out. But we started with one child, and those children come from dysfunctional backgrounds. They, even at a young age, many of them are drug babies. And we started taking them into our home. And we never, we never figured that we would adopt a child. Our goal was always to help reunite a child with their 
uh, biological parents if possible. That's not always possible. And so over the course of several years, we fostered over 15 children. And I got to tell you something, it's one of the most significant things that I have ever done in my life. And I, again, just being the hands and feet of Jesus, and every time those children would move on to their forever family, uh, they took a piece of our hearts. That is incredible. I mean, talking about a sermon to your congregation that you're living each and every day about pure, undefiled religion, as the Bible says, to care for the widows and the orphans. As you know, we were exposed to the plight of these children when I was asked by the Bush administration, the White House, and Health and Human Services to host the first-ever Summit for Foster Care and Adoption. And we partnered with Focus on the Family, CBN, many great organizations. And we had about 800 clergy there. And it started out where we were on one side of the divider, all the clergy, and then on the other side of the divider were all the leaders of these agencies tied to the foster care system and the government. And so I was responsible for introducing Secretary Tommy Thompson of Health and Human Services, and I heard the stories of these kids prior to introducing him about how they felt like a discarded piece of trash. One young lady shared how she had been in 40 different homes. Think about that. And so it really moved me. And I got up and I challenged the clergy and I said, the Bible's very clear that he's going to be the father to the fatherless through us. And he puts the lonely in families. Yes. We have the biblical mandate. We have the families. And so I looked at that divider there and then turned back to uh, our guest and I said, Mr. Secretary, tear down this wall. <laughs> We want these kids. Yeah. We want these kids. But what we saw that next day, John, is that if these children, if we are not there to take these kids in, they're not going to just sit there in limbo. No. They're going to be people that don't share our moral biblical values that are lining up to, to so-called rescue these kids when we have an opportunity to make sure that they are, are in good Christian homes. And I, I just admire you and Leanne, you know, taking really this on, you know, as a life mission and not just getting up behind the pulpit and telling other people to do it, but modeling it. You know, that, that's amazing. Well, thank you, Dave. We, to the, the credit of our congregation, many of our families engaged, and today— there are many children that have found forever families through the church there in Covina. And one of the things that, is, that just strikes me every time I think about foster care is that if for every three churches in America, just one church would have one family open their home to be a foster parent, we could resolve the foster care problem in America. Think about it. We can eradicate fatherlessness in America. Yes. We can do it. And as you know, Pastor Wendell Vinson 
uh, one of the founders of CityServe and co-author of the CityServe book. Uh, Wendell and Scott Weed and I were there in D.C. Uh, a month ago and met with the Assistant Secretary for Health and Human Services, Lynn Johnson, and she's over the Administration for Children, Youth, and Families. And this lady is on fire for the Lord. Uh, she has a mission. She has a God-given mission uh, to eradicate fatherlessness in America, and we can do it. We can and do it. And she threw out that same challenge that if every church would just foster one child and become a forever family to that child, then we can do it. This is so doable. Yes, it is. Now, I'd love to just chat with you about that topic, you know, for the rest of our show. But you're one of the co-founders of CityServe. What is it about this vision that hooked you? And what is this Neighborhoods to Nations that we started off the show talking about? The fact that CityServe links arms with the local church and mobilizes the church to be the compassion brokers in their local community is the thing that got my heart. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it tells us, Jesus said that the disciples would go to Jerusalem, they would be empowered from on high by the Holy Spirit, and then they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So many people do not understand that verse of Scripture. They think that it's either one or the other. You start in your Jerusalem, and once you've ministered to the needs in Jerusalem, then you go to your Samaria, which might be your state or your nation, and then you move on into uh, the ends of the earth. But that's not the way it reads. It's a simultaneous going. It's not either or, it's both and, that we are to be sharing the gospel in our neighborhood, the good news, loving people like Jesus loves in our neighborhood and simultaneously to the nations of the world. That's what attracted me to CityServe. Wow. You know, we just got done talking about foster care and how the church could be the fulfillment of God's promise to these kids. But so many churches are outsourcing their compassion to national and local nonprofits. Now, I've been a nonprofit leader, you know, for 30 years. And there are some wonderful nonprofit organizations nationally and locally. Tragically, though, many of these organizations, even well-meaningly, instead of being para-church, they're parallel. Yeah. I mean, internationally, there are some that will tell you that the church has failed, and so they're the backup plan, and they're no longer trying to work with the local church. And we're seeing this, and through CityServe, we're hoping to change that to where these pastors and neighborhood churches, they see that they can be part of God's answer to the brokenness in their communities. So, John, I ask you this question. Are you seeing that, that this they're outsourcing compassion, but we're also seeing that many of these leaders are taking an about face? And if so, how do they partner with nonprofits in their community? Well, I think the most important thing we, we can do is to think in terms of working in partnership 
We work in tandem. And I partner with those national nonprofits that can do what I as a local church cannot do. For example, disaster relief. They, many of these nonprofits have systems in place, available resources to address emergency needs immediately with the understanding that we are aligned in purpose to help those being cared for to connect to a local church where there can be follow-up care on an ongoing basis. And it is that kind of a partnership and alignment that I look for because it's, again, it's not either or. We need to be working together. If we're going to accomplish what Jesus asks us to do in touching the world with his love and sharing the good news, one church, one organization, one denomination, multiple denominations working by themselves will never accomplish God's mission. We have to pull together and understand that we are working as the kingdom of God to impact our local communities. Well, a great example, you know, is disaster response that you just gave. Because, as you know, I'm one of the founders of Convoy of Hope, and we've tried to do relief, disaster relief around the world. And if those organizations that are disaster response are parachuting in and are not tethered to the local church, when they leave, what's going to happen? These people have lost everything. And many of them are dealing with the trauma of losing loved ones, losing their homes, their friends. But if we're not connected to the local church that can provide that continuum of care, that holistic, long-term discipleship, what a missed opportunity. And so I love what you're saying, that it's not either or, but the churches that CityServe is working with, we're helping them to identify the needs in their community, uh, but also a strategy on meeting those needs. We're communicating to them that, that it's scalable. They don't need to do everything at once. Start somewhere. And I like what Wendell Vinson likes to say. He says, we can start by developing compassion muscle. We're not asking leaders to go from you know, you know, running the 50-yard dash to a 5K. So how can we get started? And that's what we're beginning to see. Can you share with us some stories of what you're seeing in CityServe here in SoCal? Well, there are so many. We don't have enough time today to tell it. But we are, we are seeing not only church transformation, but community transformation take place. For example, in one of our local communities, we had a church that had basically died. There was no congregation in this community. And so we were thinking of taking that property, selling the proceeds. We'd tried to resuscitate it a number of times, but to no avail. So we were going to sell the property and put those proceeds in a fund to build a church in another community. And then we talked with Wendell Vincent, who you mentioned a moment ago from one of our churches here in the SoCal Network in Bakersfield. And he said, guys, let me take that community and let's try it the city serve way, where we love them in Jesus' name and see what God will do. He sent two young men out to that community 
And they didn't have a lot of theological training. They weren't pastors. They were two young men who had a call on their hearts to just make a difference in a community. They went out and started knocking on doors. And they discovered that people there in that community either had a lot of had dogs or they had there were young families with babies and they had an idea they loaded up a box truck with 55 pound bags of dog food that we get from uh, donors and also with boxes of diapers and they took them to this community and they would go and they'd knock on the door and they'd, if they saw a dog that say could would you like some free dog food and obviously, everybody would like free dog food. I mean, that saves them $45, $50. But they said, what's the catch? And they said, there's no catch. We just want to let you know that God loves you, and so do we. We're here planting a church. If you'd like to come, we'd love for you to come, but there's no catch. Or if they saw them with children, they'd offer them diapers. Same, same response. Long story short, that was a year and a half ago. That church that was dead today does not have one Sunday morning service. They have two Sunday morning services that take place every Sunday morning from people who have responded to Christ as a result of compassion ministry. And not only that, but they're, they're getting ready to start a third Sunday morning service. They call those pastors the dog food pastors. (laughs) But the point that I'm trying to share with you today is that transformation can take place in any community if we'll dare be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen. I remember being at a church here in SoCal, and and after the service, uh, these ladies, uh, senior citizens, came up to me, and they are part of, like, the, uh, the heater heater brigade. They were taking heaters to uh, trailer parks uh, where they were finding the elderly cold. Yeah. And and they pointed to a group of people in the back of the church that were standing by the back door, and they said, do you see those people back there? And I said, yes. They said, they are here because of the heaters. I'm telling you, if we meet needs, our churches cannot help but grow. That's right. You cannot help but grow if you meet needs. I remember uh, there in Fresno uh, at one of the churches that was mothered by Canyon Hills, Wendell Vinson's church. And in between the services, because this church had grown now to two services, this lady walked up to me and she said, I just want to thank you for providing the beds for my kids. Mm -hmm. My kids were sleeping on the ground. And she said, I heard about CityServe through my mother in this church, and this church provided the beds. And what she said that really impacted me, John, she said, every time I see my kids laying on those beds, I remember a church that cares, a Jesus that cares. Yes. You know, I've been, along with millions of others, been trying to pass out food and water, which is needed. But when you are providing these furnishings that we're doing in conjunction with World Vision and their storehouses and and others, then something really supernatural happens when these people are sitting on that couch. Yes. When for the first time they're eating around a table that they've never had. Their kids are now sleeping on a bed. 
And so God is using, as you so well said, uh, these hubs, these warehouse hubs, and these pods, we call them points of distribution, local churches that are now not dead, they're growing spiritually and numerically. You know, Jesus said, I will build my church. Mm -hmm. The problem with a lot of our pastors and leaders today is we try to build his church. Mm. And all we have to do to see him grow his church is obey his word. Mm -hmm. And his word says that really Christ never called the lost to go to church. He called the church to go to the lost and be the church. And when we do it God's way, he blesses it. And sometimes I think we're fighting battles that God never intended for us to fight. Mm. Well said. Well, one of the ways that we fund a city serve is through a campaign called One Equals Two. And over the years, uh, you and I both have participated in sponsorships, encouraging people to sponsor children. But we came up with this idea, one equals two, where a person gives $18 a month, and part of that goes to support their local hub, that warehouse hub, which in turn helps these pods, points of distribution. But also, the other half helps to support international projects such as the Syrian refugees. And you and I have heard from people that will say to us, well, what about the needy in our own backyard? I want to help the children in Africa, India, Haiti. But what about the people in our own backyard? So, John, with the one equals two, they can do both. They can do both. And that is the beauty of one equals two. It accomplishes Acts 1-8. It accomplishes the mandate of Jesus with the method of Jesus by going and giving a cup of cold water. I can't tell you how many times I have been in the tent settlements in Lebanon where there are almost 2 million Syrian refugees. 80% of them are, are single moms and with children because the men have all been killed. They've been murdered by uh, their own government, the Assad government. And they've, I've asked them, how can I help you? How can we, we're from the United States, how can we help you? Not one time have I ever heard any of them say to me, would you help me get a visa to go to the United States? They don't want to come to the United mm-hmm. States. They want to go home back yeah. to Syria. But most of their cities have been blown off the map. But you know what they asked for, Dave? You've been with me on those trips. Mm-hmm. They asked for diapers. Yes. For their babies. Yeah. They ask for clean water because their water rations have been cut and their children are having to find water in pools or in creeks and they're getting sick. Or they ask for blankets because winter's coming on and the winters are bitter and cold in the the Bacaw Valley of Lebanon and their children have to huddle together over in the middle of of the tent to keep warm. It's the basics of life. And we can provide those. And when we provide them, it's amazing how they respond. Because they say to us, listen, we have been taught that Christians hate Muslims. But you don't hate us. You are showing us love. 
and their walls come down. And when their walls come down, we can share with them in a tangible way who Jesus Christ is. And it has been amazing the unprecedented amount of Muslims that are turning their lives to Jesus Christ as a result of these basic needs being met. John, what an honor it's been to have you part of the podcast. And I'd like for you to pray. Pray for the leaders that are listening to this podcast. Let's pray, believing that more than ever, that they'll take their rightful and responsible seat at this table in their community and be part of the solution to God bringing healing to brokenness. Be glad to, Dave. Father, we pause on this podcast and we give you praise. We thank you that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for our sins and raise from the grave so that all who would receive him would have not only everlasting life, but peace and purpose and freedom, Lord, in Jesus Christ. And you've told us that that is good news. Those of us that are listening today, we've experienced that firsthand. That, Lord, there are over 2.2 billion people in our world today that have never had access to you. Many of them live in the Muslim world. And, Lord, for years we have prayed for the Muslim nations that you would open up a door of opportunity to share the good news of Christ. Well, you have answered that prayer. You've opened that door. It doesn't look like what we thought it would look like, but, Lord, the door is open for us to come in and to share the love of Jesus in tangible ways with these many, many millions of refugees who so desperately need you. So I pray for every leader that is listening to this podcast. I pray for them, God. I pray that you would break their hearts with those things that break your heart. I pray that you would cause all of the clamor that we hear, the noise around us that reaches out and tries to get our attention. Lord, may, may you just put that on pause for just a moment. And may you reveal to us, Lord, afresh and anew, your mandate, your command, your commission to go and be the hands and feet of Jesus to these who desperately need you. I pray, God, that from this moment on, we would not rest until we engage individually and we find proactive ways to engage our congregations and the people that we lead in tangible ways to express your love to these refugee people and also not only to the Syrians, but also to those in our neighborhoods. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, John. Uh, folks, we've, we've heard uh, the heart of Jesus today uh, through one of his prized servants, and we want to thank you for joining. I hope you enjoy listening to Influencers on the Charisma Podcast Network. Join us next week for another thought-provoking episode. And remember to use your influence to move people closer to Jesus.